With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Kyra, right angle three. Got it. Kyra Lewis Jr. quietly averaging 46% from distance. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I am Joe Cardosi, joined, as always, by the jocular Jim Eichenhofer. And Jim, man, I am feeling good today. I I woke up after two days off in a row, which is very bizarre these days. Mm -hmm. It feels like we never have two days off. And, uh, man, I feel refreshed. The stink of the loss is is off me. I I feel born anew. The the sun is shining. The birds are chirping. I'm ready for a Pell's W, my friend. Yes, I am as well. It does feel a little bit like a new day. It was nice to get a little bit of a refreshing weekend where they didn't have any games, especially since we had a couple pretty late nights last week, Wednesday and Friday, which we'll have another one of those Monday night. But I'm yeah. looking forward to this game. Um, it was it was also nice to kind of take a look around the Western Conference on the weekend and watch some of the other games and kind of check out the standings. And and uh, there actually was some pretty decent news. There's yeah. kind of a mixture but I think there was good news, at least in terms of Utah lost twice at Oklahoma City. So yep. Pelicans actually moved into ninth place, even though they didn't play a game uh, either Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, it was like waking up on Christmas morning to a present. Uh, yes. You know, just, oh, look at that. It's just something under my tree there. We we seem to leapfrog them. I actually got to watch uh, some of the games in between, you know, just making sure my son wasn't, uh, you know, setting anything on fire because uh, he's two. He's about at that age. So, <laughs> you know, I was watching the uh, I was actually watching the Lakers Golden State game, finding myself feeling real icky and dirty inside because I, I was almost rooting for the Lakers. I don't know mm. if it's because of the fresh loss to Golden State. I don't know if it's because of what Draymond did to Billy. Yeah, uh, but also maybe it's because I just I still in my heart of hearts am not afraid of the Lakers with that LeBron timetable and with relying on Anthony Davis. I just I'm not as afraid of them as maybe I should be. And just watching the uh, Golden State finally uh, lose there. It just I don't know. It felt good to me. You know, that's definitely an interesting perspective, kind of outside the box, I would say. Rooting for the Lakers is definitely not something for that's me? been a staple of this podcast no. throughout the season. So, no. but no, I, I, I did have to take like a crying game shower. I was like, <laughs> oh god! Oh. The parts of what you said though that I can relate to the most are 
the I have no idea what Dray- Draymond was doing during the game Friday night, and yeah. I, I tweeted at one point to in response to someone that I feel like he had like a checklist of okay, Spiking how many things can ball. I can do and not get a technical foul? Yeah, I have no idea. I've never seen a player do the amount of stuff that he did. And and the referees were like, yeah, that's cool. Go yeah. go for it, man. Dray- Draymond Green at one point was in the ref's face for so long. He was basically telling the ref to hold his pocket. And he never got a tech. It was bananas. He also used Billy Hernan Gomez's shoulder as like a lever to get yeah. himself up off the ground after he had just fouled him. And Billy was looking around like, uh, what what is going on? Thank like, goodness, what are you Billy doing has right some now? class, man. He could have easily He's such just a nice guy. slipped an elbow there, which yeah, he- I might have. Because, uh, I mean, he was he literally had his arms up and Draymond's just clawing at him like he's right. in the UFC trying <laughs> to get him in a chokehold or something. Uh, I It's it's incomprehensible. And here's another thing. Another, I, I felt dirty when I did it. I felt weird rooting for the Lakers. I felt weird uh, cheering on something Dylan Brooks said. Dylan Brooks so. was saying that uh, if Draymond Green played on any other team, you wouldn't know his name. He gets away with way too much wow. stuff, and it's only because he's on the Warriors. And I was like, oh, man, I hate to be rooting for the heel here. Yeah. but uh, Those man. are two heels, I would say. I know, in yeah. In this equation. No, I, I didn't hear that. That's a, that's an interesting perspective. I, as much as I dislike some of what Draymond does, I don't necessarily agree yeah. with that sentiment. But I just like seeing but, him get dragged. But, yeah, that, I mean, after after the nonsense that he pulled nonsense. during the game, I'm, I'm happy to hear haters of Draymond Green speak as loud as possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's hard. It doesn't necessarily s- seem right to say this after Golden State beat the Pelicans on Friday, but it is possible that the Pelicans could catch them in the standings, especially if the Warriors continue to lose games on the road that game all was in the hand. time. I mean, it, yeah. it seemed like that's the thing is like the Pelicans had opportunities to uh, put the game away or, or, or to, to get it in hand and just kept missing shots. It just seemed mm-hmm. like they could never get over the hump. But the thing is, the perspective I tried to hold on to is we are playing with 10 guys. We are down. We are so shorthanded right now. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys are getting minutes who have not played. And we are keeping pace with the Warriors Mm -hmm. who are, you know, outside of Steph Curry, pretty much healthy. Right. And uh, and that should hearten you. I think Mm -hmm. you're playing them at home where they never, ever ever lose right and you were keeping pace until the very end yeah no i think that's a good point i think it goes along the lines of too that i mean fortunately there aren't that many road games left this season but if they play the way they did in that game the rest of the season on the road you would think that they'll be able to do a lot better and pick up a lot more wins so hopefully starting tonight at sacramento um but yeah i don't think it was a bad performance by the pelicans at all and i think if you compare what they've done over the years at Golden State, now granted this is a different situation. Yeah, I, I get frustrated by how many times they've gone there, and by the third quarter, early fourth quarter, you're like they're done. They don't have a chance to win. Yeah, this was frustrating from the standpoint that it was it a two point hot, and it was a two point game with like two and a half minutes left. You had every chance to win this yep. game. I think that was the toughest part was just realizing that that was just a missed opportunity that you you really could win in the Chase Center and just weren't able to do it, especially based on the last couple minutes of regulation. Our own uh, play-by-play announcer, Mr. Todd Graffinini, kept referring to it. Check the water in the locker rooms. What's going on here at Chase Arena? Because the, the same thing, same game script happened when Portland played there. Uh, it seemed like they, they came out hot. They were scoring on the, the Warriors, and then after halftime just could yeah. not. There was a lid on the bucket, could not score. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Pelicans. The Pelicans have been coming out flat in the first quarter. It seems like they've been digging themselves holes, having to come out. 
that first quarter, they came out hot. It yeah. looked good. Uh, and then it just seemed after after halftime, they just could not score. And and that dry that drought is really what sealed it. And the Warriors have been doing that since the beginning of this era with their dynasty that started in 2015. For some reason, the third quarter, they're just, you know, coming out and destroying people. So even with Curry not available until he came back Sunday against the Lakers, but before that, they still were in that mode where they'd come out of halftime and, and dominate. So I don't know how to explain that, but it's definitely I mean, something. Steve Kerr is a pretty good coach, too. I guess yeah. you got to give him a little credit for sure. in-game adjustments, yeah. too. But, I mean, but but the Pelican shots just weren't falling. A lot of them were just wide-open mm-hmm. looks, too. It wasn't right. uh, defensive scheming. It's just the shots weren't falling. Right. And that was the most frustrating part. Uh, and and while it is frustrating, we saw we talked about it before. If you can split uh, these games here. Look, mm-hmm. I don't want to lose games. Uh, I don't want to go into any game expecting to lose. But if you were going to lose one, I think losing to Golden State at home is not a surprising loss. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I think, as I said, it should hearten you that going in shorthanded, playing them at home, you were able to keep it close that long. If only your shots were falling. Could have taken that game. And it would have been phenomenal to get that win and be 2-0 and on the road trip. But as, as frustrating, as discouraging as it was to, to not end up winning that game, I still think that the win at Portland was massive. Because yes, yes. now, I mean, the worst, obviously, you can do on this road trip is 1-2. and two. And, I mean, if they can get this win against Sacramento, to be able to go 2-1 and one against these three teams, I think, would be huge. Because as we've talked about before, and I'm sure we'll get into this maybe a little bit later in the show, the stretch that they have coming up is pretty good on paper in terms of you know, a lot of home games and uh, um, a stretch of opponents that are struggling at the yeah. tail end of this next eight. So get a win in Sacramento, and I think things will be looking much better and, and much different as far as the, the prognosis going forward. Yep, let's shut down that beam in Sacktown. Uh, speaking of uh, Sacktown, our guest today is Mr. Joel Myers, TV play-by-play announcer for your Pelicans. Uh, he is out there in Sacramento. He is watching shoot around as we record this want to talk to him about what he sees there sort of what he expects but a uh, great guest and we're going to get to him a little later i gotta say the, the worst part of following sports uh, on twitter is watching a bunch of 45 year olds tweet like tiktok teens uh, <laughs> because they're trying to be cool he is him am i doing it right i'm 45 i went to dartmouth stop it but i gotta say it is interesting to watch uh, the rooting interest now of, you know, teams that you wouldn't normally root for. Uh, you're seeing Pelicans fans have to root for. This is the time of the season where I think we're going to start talking about what other teams are doing a lot more than we were before. Yeah, I mean, this is this is fun, though. I mean, we had a lot of seasons going back uh, previous decade where, you know, maybe by the middle part of March you were out of the race and it didn't matter. Um Earlier this season, I would have pref- much preferred that we didn't have to stress out about yeah. a bunch of games on the scoreboard, but here we are, and there's nothing we can do about that. So part of it, too, is, I mean, there's 15 teams in the West, 15 teams in the East. 13 teams in the West have a chance. Yeah. So there's very few nights where there's um, any game on the schedule that doesn't have some significance to the Pelicans or every other team in the league, So which I think is great and is yeah. part of what they added with the play-in tournament. They made it so that there's – just so many more teams that have a chance. Drama. Uh, man, I, I think it's going to be uh, interesting to watch the West in general because, I mean, we were talking about it last podcast, how it seemed like the state at the top of the West was solidified. But now, um, you know, I'm not going to talk, speak to it, uh, but the Ja Morant situation is uh, is fluid out there, yeah. to say the least, in Memphis. 
there's no timetable for his return right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are not favored in the next five of their games. I mean, they're, they're going through it mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, I don't know. You just you look at the Dallas Mavericks. You look at uh, they haven't seemed to figure it out. It doesn't seem as locked and loaded as it as it did before. It seems like it's uh, less of a logjam. Yeah, and I mean, it does seem like it's hard to believe that we're this far. You know, a lot of teams have played sixty five games. That we're this far into the season, and it's still so tight between, say, fifth place and thirteenth place. But yeah. but that's where we're that's where we are right now. And um, I mean. Pelicans are playing a bunch of these teams head-to-head coming up. So, I mean, as much as we're going to watch the scoreboard and we're going to follow other teams, um, it really is going to be in the Pelicans' hands to just take care of the games that they're playing in. Yeah, and and who knows if the Pelicans' timetable may actually end up to our advantage. The, the West is in a weird state right now, and if Zion gets healthy and the Pelicans get healthy at the very end, uh, I don't know if you want to face a healthy Pelicans when you're beaten up and maybe you're you're on the other end of it. Uh, so who knows? There There is reason to look ahead with hope, and we will talk about it with our guest, Mr. Joel Myers of Bally Sports. Let's get to Joel out there in Sacramento. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Joining us on the Pelicans podcast, TV play-by-play announcer for your New Orleans Pelicans. You can also catch him on the latest episode of Between Bites, our own Mr. Joel Myers. How are you doing, man? Doing well, guys. In California still after San Francisco, now Sacramento. And uh, only three games in a stretch for the Pels where they actually could kind of catch their breath, which was nice for a change. Yeah, Joel, I kind of wanted to get an update from you. It's nice to have somebody on the scene out there in Sacramento and California. I know you've been there for a few days. I mean, do you think that, for example, that just having this break of this weekend might be beneficial just to get some more rest and kind of, um, you know, just to get ready for this last stretch of the season? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a big boost, actually. So they they got to be prepared because, you know, it's a run-and-gun team tonight. Uh, the Kings, you guys know, they're the highest scoring team in the NBA yeah. and across the board, yeah. their second field goal percentage. We could have a list fourth assist. Uh, they can score, but they don't, they try to outscore you. They don't try to stop you, you know, defensively they're, they're second from the bottom in, mm-hmm. in defensive efficiency. Well, not second, but pretty close to second for the bottom fourth from the bottom. And they'll give up a lot of points. So you need to capitalize. You need to take advantage of your opportunities and that's where the Pels have struggled recently is offensively and especially from beyond the arc. In today's NBA, as we all know, 
you've got to finish games in double figures in May three. So it's got to be 10 or more. Mm-hmm. And of course, Sacramento, they've picked up a guy like Kevin Herter in the off season. What a gift. So what a premium there is on shooting in the NBA today. And that's where the Pels have to excel down the road over the last 17, 18 games. Do you get a feeling from, I mean, how much time that you guys have been on the road that, I mean, hopefully, you know, that there's going to be a lot of focus tonight, that this is a huge game, but um, just kind of going forward, I mean, there's got to be some serious excitement and anticipation to finally get a home stand and get four games at home and six of the next eight are home as well. I mean, do you feel like that's something that, you know, has to be somewhere in the back of people's minds of like, it just seems like the, you guys have been gone almost this entire, like last month. Well, yeah, but as you guys know, with the standings the way they are right now, and you look at the Western Conference standings where all of a sudden now you have 33 losses, Lakers have 34, and then on the list of teams that are whether they have 32, 31, or 34, 35 even, uh, you don't have a chance to look ahead, mm-hmm. look uh, that far forward, because you, and you bring up the four-game homestand, Jim, you've got to take it a game at a time. So you're not out of the top 10, that you stay within Kevin through 10. And then if you can get hot, even better to get into the top six so you don't have to be in the play-in round. Uh, but as the Pels get healthier with Dyson now, his ankle's better, um, everybody's there. Hopefully Zion's back in the near future. Uh, the Kyra's playing really solid basketball off the bench. Uh, we need Jose back. There's no question about that, but that's still a couple of weeks away when they reevaluate his situation. To me, it is a game-by-game season. You, and I was looking yesterday and preparing for this matchup at the teams that have advantageous schedules. And the Lakers have a lot of home games left. Mm-hmm. You have to look at how many home, how many road. And, and so game by game, it's an interesting situation. And that's why I just focus right now on the Kings and haven't even really looked at the matchup on Wednesday night back at home as much as I want to look ahead. Sure. It's so important. Every game is so critical right now. And, and that's why I looked at who has the most advantageous schedule? Not winning percentage, because uh, they keep putting out the Pels have this percentage and the easiest schedule down the road. And yeah. Their opponents have only won 47% of their games. Is it home? Is it road? Because the Pels have not succeeded on the road at a great rate, as you guys know in recent weeks. Yeah. You know, Joel, earlier in the season when, you know, obviously they were in first place, we would have much preferred if they would have stayed like in, you know, top four and been, but it, but the situation obviously is what it is. And, and when you go back to last season, this group of guys had to overcome a lot to just get into the play in tournament and then make the run to the playoffs. I mean, from a big picture standpoint, do you look at this situation again as, you know, just from long-term growth of the team that some of this experience might be beneficial down the road that, you know, for the second year in a row, they're going to have to really, dig deep and be able to come up with a lot of big wins in March and April to be able to get to where they want to try to be. Yeah, it's going to pay off down the road. There's no question about that, Jim, and it's a valid point. But I want to remind everybody, it's not just about this season because this window is just opening for this team. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the team, uh, the only guys really above 25, because that's where Brandon Ingram is, DJ McCollum, Jonas, and Larry, Larry Nance Jr. So. It, the window is just opening, keeping Zion on the floor, keeping him healthy, because when he's on the floor, and, and AD always brings up my partner, Antonio Daniels, talks about the gravity that he attracts 
And that opens things up for others because they have to build that wall. They have to game plan defensively for Zion. And it's a different story completely. So subsequently, moving down the road, it's real positive what's going on for the Pels. And it's just opening up now for the Pels. Because Dyson Daniels, and we can go down the list of these young guys, they're going to be very good. There's no question about it. And they've, the Pels and, and Griff and his staff with Trajan, Swin, Bryson, they have done a good job of evaluating talent. They've done an exceptional job when you have two undrafted guys that are contributors like Najee and Jose are. Mm-hmm. And then you take Dyson eighth overall, who's way ahead of the curve defensively. So it, you want to get in, you want to play, you want to make the postseason this year. And But I, I also caution everybody, don't put too much in one season because as much as I'd love them to go to the first round, win, get to the second round, uh, realistically, it's not just about this year for the Pels. The window is just opening for this franchise, and, and we couldn't say that before, let's face it. So yeah. at least there's a plan in place now. Yeah, we've talked about you know the dark days and the not-so-distant past uh, from the Pelicans when there were no draft picks and you were still at the bottom of the West and your stars didn't want to be there, et cetera, et cetera. There is hope for the future uh, as you're talking about now. And you know, there, there's a, a few words that sports fans don't like to hear. It, it doesn't really excite them. Prudence, uh, patience. But those are things that David Griffin is building the team with. It, it may be not splashy uh, when you know the trade deadline is up, but it, it's, it's real. And as you said, uh, the Pelicans are building for a run in the future and, and having several years be their window. Now, you're on the road with the team all the time. You've said it yourself. I mean, you eat meals with the team. You know these guys better than you know almost anybody uh, other than their teammates. How do the Pelicans respond after that deflating loss in Golden State that they had in their hands? They, it had seemed like they had a little momentum after that Portland game. Then that deflating loss. How do they pick themselves up, especially being on the road so long, uh, you're not being home? How do you think they respond, Joel? Well, they already responded, and they have a bond, Joe. They really do. You know, Herb, I didn't bring up Herb, and Herb's been great defensively. You know, and now Herb's moving off the ball. His timing, his cuts, and the way he's putting the ball to the ground and making others better around him. Uh, they have a bond. It's a young group. Remember, Herb's 24. Brandon's 25. I can go down the list. Uh, Najee's 25. Jackson's 22. Dyson's 19. Trey is 22. And then Zion who's, you know, moving ahead, that's your core with Brandon. And I can go down the list of guys mm-hmm. that are, are your core, your assets that you're building with. Zion is only 22 years of age. So they have a bond. They know it from within that locker room that they have a chance to be very good. The core understands where they're headed. Now they've got to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, they also need a couple of things down the road. And, and Griff and his staff know that. You need more three-point shooting. I brought up Kevin Herter, the gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Atlanta wanted to get up his contract. Look at these men. Kevin Herter has been great for them from beyond the arc, this proper spacing you need. So there's a couple of things in the offseason. More shooting, guys that can hit threes. That's why Trey is so important moving ahead. And then maybe uh, it, whether it's Dyson, whether it's Kyra, the traditional lead, the basic guy, the guy that has the instincts of a lead guard. Dyson Daniels, to me, has that. Yeah. Uh, Kyra on a high screen and roll. He's unbelievably fast. You can't teach what he possesses. So it'll evolve in the right direction because the talent's there. It's not about the talent. The only talent they need now 
is more consistent shooting from beyond the arc. And, and I'm not telling Griff and his staff anything they don't know, but when you finish a game with only six or eight triples, you've got to have 10 or more in today's NBA. Joel, you know, we've talked a little bit about kind of the future and just, you know, the potential that these guys have down the road. I think everyone that's reasonable understands that this team is going to be better two or three years from now than where they are right now, especially when the health part of it comes into play. Um, But short term, I mean, I feel like there's a lot, speaking of the Western Conference, I feel like there's a lot of seasons where if we were this deep into the year, there might be seven, eight teams that are well above 500 in the West. But I mean, to kind of to the Pelicans benefit, they're really are only four teams that are, you know, pretty solidly over 500 with Phoenix being fourth place right now, seven over. I mean, how do you see the race? I mean, in terms of where the Pelicans are and their potential to maybe move up a a few spots, we know with the way that the play-in tournament is set up, which to the NBA's credit, I think was, was genius that every single spot makes a difference in terms of how high up you can get. But I mean, what do you think of where the Pelicans are? And, and also just, it's kind of been. It seems like it's been a very tumultuous last couple of weeks for teams like the Mavs, the Clippers, even the Timberwolves. It seems like there's just no one really kind of pulling away from that pack. Well, Jim, the Pels have 18 games left. Ten at home, eight including tonight, the matchup in Sacramento. So they have to find a way to win on the road consistently, mm-hmm. and they're only 11 and 22 on the road. Then, out of their 10 home games, they really need to take almost all of them, if they're going to move up. Now, if they can take eight or nine of the ten, so be it. It's great. You want that kind of percentage. But at the same time, to move up, they're going to have to win some of the eight road games as well. So they've got the back-to-back, not back-to-back, but they've got a weekend coming up after the homestand in Houston. That is going to be critical. Mm -hmm. You need to beat sub-500 teams. That's why the Orlando loss was so painful. You see, you have to win at home and especially against sub-500 teams. Sure. So I look at it schedule-wise with eight on the road, find a way to win. You better win against sub-500 teams away from home. And then there's a premium on every home game because everybody's turned out. I can't thank everybody enough in our community. The loyalty factor, everybody. I look around that building now, and the upper deck is packed as well. It, it's incredible. The passion and, and how consistent everybody has been and the people who supported this team this year. So, you know, I've been around 11 years now with ball club, and, and it's just beginning when I say that. So people, it's evolving. They know it. They recognize it, and that's why they're showing up, and, and they're supporting this club. But they've got to win at home, got to win most of those 10 at home, and then find a way out of the eight. Pick your spots because you're going to have some challenges. They've got the Clippers coming up again in L.A. We know that. But when it's like a Houston, you have to win those road games against sub 500s. Yeah, I mean, the, all these home games, not only are they at home and, and you love to win at home, but they are meaningful home games. You're facing the Mavericks, who've been having trouble. you got the Thunder, you got the Trailblazers, who you're hoping to keep in their place. Damian Lillard, always tough. Then you got the Lakers, who are, uh, you know, always nipping at your heels. I mean, what do you see as the keys to keeping the ball moving with these injuries? You know, it can't just be, you know, Hope B.I. And, and C.J. Cook and uh, just stand still, which is unfortunately what it's been a lot of the time. And what do you see as the keys to them staying fresh in these games? Well, it's, it's about getting stops because right now they're struggling offensively. Yeah. So when you're struggling offensively, you better get stops. And the Pelicans right now are still top 10 in defensive efficiency and doing a pretty good job against some high-scoring teams. 
but it's the other end of the floor, Joe. It's the struggles we've seen. When you finish an Orlando uh, game with 93 points at home, so the struggles are at the offensive end of the floor right now. They've hit a bump and a long, extended bump offensively, and that's why they've suffered and they've struggled in recent weeks. So I think the defense will be consistent for the most part, but offensively they've got to get their act together. They are they're not going to, as Jim just brought up, how do you see them rising? Well, scoring. You know, you're, you're facing the team tonight that gives up uh, – I'm looking at some of the numbers for the Sacramento Kings, 119 points a game. That's third from the bottom in points allowed. Yeah. You have to score against a team like Sacramento because all they want to do is outscore you. You know, I've mentioned their defensive efficiency. So it's, it boils down to really right now the offensive end of the floor for the Pels because defensively, usually they're getting enough stops to hang in there like yeah. they did against San Francisco, against the Golden State Warriors. And, hey, if you got a chance to steal them on the road like they did, a two-point game – with three minutes to play, but then there was a putback, and all of a sudden it's four. Or against Orlando, it's a two-point game. And and you can't score, but there's a second chance. And they put it back, and all of a sudden it's a four-point game in the final 90 seconds instead of a stop, and you're moving on. So to me, it's a, a really at the offensive end of the floor. Joel, you know, we're, we're looking at the Kings, and they're really feeling themselves right now. They are nothing but confident, and the Pelicans – have beaten them before, so you got to hope that they can start uh, this stretch now. What do you hope to see from the Pelicans down the stretch here? We, we've said, you know, the, the sixth seed is is where we hope to lie, uh, you know, as a, as a realistic expectation. As you spoke to, I don't think any reasonable fan is expecting to win the championship this year. It'd be great if we did. That'd be Lanyap. But what do you hope to see from the Pelicans as they get healthy down the stretch, get Zion back? Where do you think they can fall as playoff seeding is uh, is imminent. See, I'm not greedy. I'm truly not greedy. Anywhere in the top ten. Yeah. And I don't care. Because then you're going to get Zion back. You're going to get rhythm to the game. Hopefully Zion's back before the last six, eight games of the regular season. Yeah. Anywhere in the top ten. Teams are not going to want to face you with Zion coming back healthy. Yes. DJ, Brandon, Trey gets his stroke going. A lot of positives going in. So I'm not greedy. I will get greedy once the <laughs> play-in playoff starts. Yes. But at the same time, I just want the opportunity for the Pels to experience again like they experienced last year. Those reps are invaluable. Yeah. Any kind of postseason play, whether it's play-in, play-in, and as I said, if they get enough stops, they'll stay in most games. That's what it requires because as the offense struggles, you're going to have a chance to win if you deny people. If you just you get your act together at the mm-hmm. defensive end of the floor. And then lately, the Pelicans have given up a lot of second-chance points. The locate, box out, the little things, the simple things, the things that all add up, and then points off turnovers as well because they didn't make the, the Warriors pay for their turnovers at all. I mean, the Warriors doubled their points off turnovers at one point of the game, and, and the Pels were minuscule in comparison to all the turnovers the Warriors had. Warriors are going to turn the ball over. If you're going to win on the road, you have to capitalize on other teams' mistakes. But I'm not greedy. Anything in the top ten, I just want to see the Pels playing in the postseason. I am with you. Joel Myers, the voice of reason. Jim and I were talking about it in the intro to the podcast. We just want to see the Pelicans in there. And I don't think that a lot of teams, especially as they get more hobbled, are going to want to see a fresh Zion, uh, a healthy Pelican squad down the stretch. They really could be dangerous. I just want to see them in it. 
Joel, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast. I know you're uh, out there in Sacramento preparing for the late game tonight. Uh, we will be caffeinated with you, watching you on Bally Sports. Uh, good luck tonight on the broadcast, and uh, let's go Pels, huh? You said it, guys. Get a win, and I'll see you back at home. Huge thanks to Joel Myers uh, bringing the great perspective that he always has. He is out there on the road with the team. He sees them more than almost anybody. And uh, it's great to hear him talk about, you know, just just seeing the Pelicans in the top 10. It's easy to get wrapped up in wanting your team to win. Of course, I do it too. Fans do it. Uh, You want to see your team win at all, of course. But we have talked about meaningfully building towards the future and David Griffin's long view philosophy. And and really, to Joel's point, you've got to learn how to win. You also got to learn how to lose a little bit in the playoffs. How do you respond Mm -hmm. to losing in the playoffs? And these are young players. It's a young team. And uh, you got to hope that we just get in there and and figure out one way or the other how we're going to respond. Yeah, it's a valid point that he makes as far as that getting into the top 10 is going to yield another really good experience for a lot of the young players on this mm-hmm. team. I, I think all of us, when we think back to the San Antonio home game to start the play-in tournament last year, that was a pretty huge moment for the organization and just the franchise. And the, Felt the like players. a turning point. Still does, Yeah, looking back. And I remember CJ making a three, I think it was, at the end of the first half and running back down the court and like signaling to the crowd. It was just one of those nights where – um, you look around and you say, this guy's been in the league for a long time. He's been in bigger games than this. But for a lot of the other players on the team, that was kind of the first moment that they were yeah. in a situation where it was make or break kind of situation. The season was on the line. Obviously, if you lose that game, your season's over. Yeah. So for as Joel said, I mean, to, for them to get into the play-in tournament, I mean, it would be great to be a, above 10th, obviously. Yes. And as I kind of mentioned when we were talking with Joel, every single spot makes a difference. For me personally, I'm with Joel in terms of top 10, but I think they can make an in- incremental improvement. Even eighth place means you can have you have two chances to win one game. I still want six. So we don't I'm still calling six, man. Which is totally f- cool with me. Growing my Alfred Payton um, hair just in case, but if, calling six. <laughs> but if you're going to be in the play-in tournament, I want to avoid the, the nerve-wracking yeah. situation that we had last year where we had two games in a row where it was like you went into it saying – you lose this game and the season's over and it's time to start the offseason in the summer. If you finish eighth, you have two opportunities. You kind of get to take a free swing in the first game and say, hey, we, w- we want to win this game, but if we lose it, we still have the backup of we get to play it. Yeah, and you're not you, in the guillotine every game. Right, and if you're, ten, if you're as long as you're not 10th place, you also get one opportunity at least at home. If you're eighth, you lose the first game and then you get to go home. If you're ninth, you get the first play-in game at home, so... I mean, we want to we want to be in the postseason, and we want the players to get this the experience of that again. But we also would yeah. love to do it in the Smoothie King Center, at least partly. Yeah, I want I want less stress. People saw me last season and this season. They're like, "You aged forty years. What happened to you?" You know, <laughs> it's like I just I, the play in was stressful. It was all stressful. Um, yeah. And and by the way, if you if you're hearing and uh, more chatter in the background of the podcast today, if you're hearing more doors opening and closing, Derek Carr did sign to the Saints today. Uh, so that is big news in the building. So people are very excited. I know this is the Pelicans podcast, but uh, so it is a buzz in the building here behind us as, uh, as we record the podcast here. Uh, now, Jim, back to the basketball side here. We face the Kings tonight and uh, De'Aaron Fox is questionable. You've been tweeting out your mm-hmm. keys to the game. Uh, go follow Jim on Twitter at Jim underscore Eichenhofer for all the inside info. Uh, but 
you know, last time De'Aaron Fox didn't play. Right. Pelicans uh, won handily. Now, if he does play, that doesn't look good for the Pelicans. We'll and see. now, to the one thing that I think that needs to be made clear, too, about that game against Sacramento is the Pelicans were also shorthanded. Ingram didn't play because it was a back-to-back, and they had other players that were out of the lineup, so they had to kind of switch things around. But they still beat Sacramento by 32 points that night, scored 136 points. But what one of the things that was super key in addition to you, you mentioned that Fox didn't play in that game. I, I believe it was because his wife was giving birth, and yeah. so he was away from the team. He immediately came back the next game. But not only did Fox um, not make any impact because he was the MP, but DeMontis Sabonis only had 12 points and 11 rebounds. He was kept in check. So really, they weren't able to get a big night from either of their top two guys for two different reasons yeah. that game. So Fox is questionable. Um, if he's on the court, they're going to have both of those guys. I think they've been carrying them all season. They have a bunch of other players that have made big contributions as well. But um, I mean, it would be it would be huge if mm-hmm. Fox is not able to play tonight. Every Pelicans fan out there knows. I don't need to tell them the guy's been an absolute monster against New Orleans yeah. throughout his career. I mean, he's had a bunch of forty point games. I think during the the COVID season, um, twenty twenty one, he averaged like forty points a game over three or four game. That was span against New Orleans. So, I mean, the guy, for whatever reason, I looked this up today as well. He's averaging more points against New Orleans than any other team in the league over his career, except for San Antonio, which is he's averaging slightly more against the Spurs than the Pelicans. So, for some reason, he he gets up for the Pelicans. We like so. to we like to laugh at Graf because every time we play any team in the NBA, there's a Pelican killer on there yeah. that that he. But man, he really is legitimately. And, uh, we is, do not yep. want to see him, uh, but we got to deal with him, man. And and so uh, as we look at the next uh, slate of games, there's only 18 games left, which is mm-hmm. crazy to say. But now you got to start looking in chunks, you mm-hmm. know, important chunks of games. And, uh, you, you know, you've been great with that. I see your big board with the strings and the letters. <laughs> it's it's very detailed. Yes. It's not creepy, but yes. man, you're on top of it. So yeah. uh, what do we got to look forward to? I here, mean, man? I mentioned this going back a week or so that I thought it was important for the Pelicans to go two and two in this four game stretch that started with the Orlando home game and then went into the three road games on the West Coast. They're one and two so far. So if they can win tonight, that would be two and two and they would split that. I'd be very happy with that. Mm-hmm. And then you go into a four game homestand. And as we've said, it's all opponents that matter a ton. There's no random team from the East. Trailblazers, Lakers. Right. And then after that, you play four games in a row against teams that are all at the bottom of the league. I call that the feeding frenzy stretch. Yes. You know, you got got the Rockets twice, uh, 17th and 19th, so almost back-to-back. And then you got the Spurs and Hornets Mm -hmm. at home, by the way. Uh, So, man, then you got the Clippers. It gets tougher towards the end of March now. Uh, the, the, I call that the crisis stretch, uh, where, cause you got Clippers, yeah. Trailblazers, Warriors, Nuggets. Whoo, mm-hmm. that's going to be right. an interesting stretch. That's going to see where you're going to get your medal tested there. Yeah. But I think right now the important thing is to be in the best position you can possibly be going into that West coast trip that you mentioned that starts with the Clippers on March 25th. And this is actually something that I'm writing about on Tuesday on pelicans.com about how after the Sacramento game Monday night. You have six of your next eight games are home. The only two road games are the games in Houston that you mentioned. Yes. So really, you're not leaving the Gulf South for about two and a half weeks. And your only road games are against a team that has, I'd have to double check, it's either the worst or one, maybe the second worst record in the league. The Rockets won a couple games against the Spurs. So either way, they're at the bottom. So six home games, 
two road games against a team that has the worst record in the league out of eight. What position can you be in after those that set of eight games? Um, it would be massive to get a win against Sacramento tonight to give yourself some momentum. Yeah. But I like the fact that they don't have any long trips coming up. They're going to in when they play in Houston. There's a ton of Pelicans fans there, so that'll be a little yeah, it's not that bit of taste away. of home for yeah. the Pelicans. So you're getting a lot of games in front of your fans here coming up, and it's going to be it's not going to be a situation where if you're not in good position at the end of March that you have anyone to really point the finger at other than yourself because yeah. you have this stretch where you're playing a bunch of home games where you've been good throughout the season. So that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, this is the looking in the mirror stretch, man. It's going to be interesting to see where the Pelicans lie. Uh, you got to go out there. If you're listening from Houston, get out there and be loud. Uh, we don't care if you eat church's chicken instead of Popeye's there. Get out and root for the Pelicans. Uh, we are the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Huge thanks to Mr. Joel Myers for joining us on Wednesday. We will have our friend, Mr. John DeShazer, joining us. Uh, he is back in the saddle for home games and so excited to have him back. Just brings a totally different dynamic, and we are thrilled that he is back with us. Hey, tell your friends and pals that you can listen to us anywhere, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere where iHeart Podcasts are. We will talk to you once again on Wednesday after a hopeful W. Ooh, and until then, Jimothy. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.